What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. On today's episode, one of my former colleagues and a good friend in the business, Lakers beat writer Yovan Buha of The Athletic, joins me to discuss what's next for the Los Angeles Lakers after acquiring Patrick Beverly for Talon Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson. We're going to get into Russell Westbrook's future, whether Carmelo Anthony could return, and the roles of Austin Reeves and Thomas Bryant heading into the season, and anything else that pops into our mind. Jovan, it's always good to talk with you, my man. How's everything your way? Everything's good, man. It's good to see you. How you doing? Oh, right at you. Right back at you, my man. Um, you've been pretty busy lately, uh, especially this <laughs> summer covering bit, yeah. covering this uh, Lakers beat, you know. And I, I think first thing, uh, this team makes a trade and they get Patrick Beverly, who, in my opinion, I think is the type of dog that they need defensively, going to hold guys accountable, fits Darvin Ham's mold. They they get Patrick Beverly for Talon Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson. Um, you know, Pat Bev has previously stated he believed the Lakers could be a playoff team if he was on the team. And that feeling seems to remain the same today. Um, from what I've heard, he's going in there with the goal of helping them try to get back to the playoffs. And members of the coaching staff are excited about his fit around their stars. Um, since the trade, he's been working out and the Lakers practice facility with uh, his trainer, Aaron Miller. And um, he's excited to get ready for camp. And, you know, now with Beverly in a contract season, the Lakers have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the books for next season, basically uh, minus a couple of minimum contracts. So that cap space looking ahead is uh, interesting. And, you know, Talon Horton Tucker goes and he gets a chance to break out with Utah. You know, maybe if they trade Boyan Bogdanovich and, Stanley Johnson's hoping to capitalize on a bigger opportunity in a contract season. Uh, David Fisdale, Johnson's former assistant coach with the Lakers and now an associate general manager with the Jazz, uh, has been a fan of Johnson. And Johnson can give uh, rookie coach Will Hardy uh, the option of switching between small forwards and power forwards on defense. So, Jovan, when when you had written about the Lakers getting Patrick Beverly and and really had some time to process this. What stands out for you both for this team this season with Pat Bev uh, and the dynamic with Russ and, and looking ahead towards the future? Yeah, well, I think it's the rare short and long-term win for a team in a trade. Uh, short-term, I think Pat, as you mentioned, really fits nicely alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I think he now has a pretty good track record of this, uh, of fitting alongside stars, going back to his Houston days with James Harden, uh, and then with the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and then last year in Minnesota with Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. Like He is the ideal point guard, if you, if you want to call him a point guard, uh, around you know ball-dominant wings and, and, and forwards. Uh, because he can run the offense. He, he can run pick and roll. He, he can be that secondary ball handler and playmaker that most teams need, but he's also an elite spot-up shooter, and he doesn't need the ball to be effective. He will move without the ball. He, he knows how to relocate. He knows how to spot up uh, and, and get into a, a player's field of vision. He knows how to screen for his teammates and, and get them open. Like 
he just is has, has this frenetic energy offensively that um you know I, I think he he's been pretty underrated offensively he shot close to 40% on threes in six of the last seven seasons um and, and even last year was the exception but he still shot 38.5% on catch and shoot threes so um you know so, so his percentage was lower because he took a career high pull up threes and and off the dribble threes uh, but i don't think that'll be his role in la i, I think it'll be more so the the role we saw in in Houston and with the Clippers. So I think you know offensively I think it's it's an upgrade the, the Lakers are currently light on shooting, so he's a big upgrade in that regard and I I think just compared to some of the other guys like he, he's battle tested. And then of course defensively, this is a guy who's made the all defensive team uh 3 years has been, you know, a candidate for defensive player of the year uh, in terms of, you know, getting votes. And I think his his reputation precedes him, right? You know, Mr. 94 feet. And though I, I think his his efficiency numbers haven't been as great defensively as, as maybe they were a couple of years ago. He's still someone who is a ball hawk, can can, you know, be that point of attack defender that uh every elite defense needs. And then I think also has shown in the past the ability to switch onto bigger wings. And uh, you know, I was covering that Clippers team. Uh, in 2019, in in, uh, in which he was defending Kevin Durant in, in the the Warriors' last run together with with KD, and uh, yeah, you know, KD gave him some buckets and, and lit him up a couple times, but he also was was being an irritant and getting under his skin, and uh, that's another thing that I think this Lakers team uh, really needed last season. You know, they, they needed some more dog in them, and I, I think Pat is a guy who's going to hold people accountable. He, he brings it every night, no matter what, and I, I think you know you there were some performances last year where the Lakers just were apathetic and, you know, low energy and uh, just, just didn't really bring the fight. And that's one thing that Pat always excels in is he's going to get you hyped up. He, he's going to, you know, stay on you. And it might be annoying sometimes uh, that, you, you know, you know, might be a little too combative for some guys, but for the most part, I think it's a net positive and, and he has that track record. So I think in terms of like role players, he's up there with, one of the more impactful role players in the leagues. And, you know, he has that track record of winning pretty much everywhere he's gone. So uh, I think it's, it's a, you know, in the short term, it, it really helps them from this upcoming season. But then long term, as you mentioned, Taylor Horton Tucker had an $11 million player option for 2023 24. And Pat is an expiring contract. So getting that 11 million off the books, the Lakers can create upwards of, you know, 30 to 35 million in cap space, depending on what happens with uh, a couple of their minimum guys and, and them rescinding everybody's cap holds and uh, you know pl- empty roster charges and all that stuff. But uh, you know, they, they can create legitimate cap space to pursue a third, you know, lower tier max guy, not, not quite full max, but they can add a, a legitimate, you know, player to this team next summer or add a couple of those guys. We, we saw that the championship year, you know, they added Danny green and, and JaVale McGee and, and Rondo and like, that they split the money a little bit between some of those guys. So I think that the Pat Bev move is a win all around and uh, it makes this year's roster better. And I think frankly, it's going to make the, the, you know, 2023, 24 team better and, and potentially uh, better down the road, depending on the player that they sign. You know, it's interesting, Yohan, because I looked at Pat Bev and um, I thought, even though his contract is expiring, um, with the way like the cap works and whatnot, you can still try to get other guys and sign them and then re-sign Pat Bev. So I, I thought it also just gave them added, added flexibility. I think he's the type of guy um, that you can even see 
with the Lakers past this year, depending on how things go um, with the team. Because anytime you have LeBron and AD, they're going to be in win-now mode. He's a win-now player. Uh, you know, they're all, um, you know, trying to win. And, and they're not here to uh, take a step back. So I, I could see him staying there. Um, after this year as well. I think the bigger question that everybody had was uh, once they got Pat Bev, okay, next domino's got to be Russell Westbrook. Uh, something's got to be happening with him. Now, uh, when you look at Russell Westbrook, first off with Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly, obviously they've got a little, uh, we'll go with tension <laughs> between yeah. the two of them from, from years past. Um, you know, I'm not really sure how that dynamic would work behind the scenes. Like, I don't know how Russell Westbrook would respond to Pat Bev calling him out for a missed defensive assignment or something. Um, but you know what? When you look at Russell Westbrook, we don't even know if they're going to end up ever taking the court together ultimately. Um, to me, it seems like the best trade the Lakers can make if they want to move Russell Westbrook and try to win this season is with Indiana for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Now, Yovan, one note that's interesting is before the Lakers traded Taylor Horton Tucker to Utah in the Patrick Beverly trade, uh, the Pacers were trying to get Taylor Horton Tucker, I'm told. So essentially, Indiana was hoping to get uh, Russell Westbrook's expiring contract and the Lakers' two first-round picks in 2027 and 2029 along with Horton Tucker for Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, and they wanted to make L.A. take Daniel Tice, uh, who's got uh, some years looking ahead on his contract. And Daniel Tice is more of a guy that's a fit for a playoff caliber team, as we saw uh, with the Boston Celtics previously. Um, you know, the Lakers weren't essentially trying to part with THT for Tice in that expanded trade package discussion after they already had reservations about moving two first round picks uh, to get off Westbrook's contract to anyone. Um, you know, in, in talking with people around the league, and I'm sure, you know, you can vouch for this as well. Anybody that's taken Russell Westbrook wants both of those first round picks. And there's some type of, uh, you know, going back and forth on whether, they're unprotected or low protections and whatnot. And the Lakers have resisted to do that so far, but if they're going to move them, that's the only way I see it. Um, you know, there was a little chatter. I would call it maybe more a little bit speculative about, Oh, maybe they could trade Russell Westbrook to Charlotte for a package around Gordon Hayward. I don't think that would move the needle as much as miles Turner and buddy healed. If you're trying to win this season, when you look at the trade market for Russell Westbrook, uh, as of right now, what deals could you see that make the most sense for the Lakers um, and trying to make this team better now? Because we saw last year with, Res with Westbrook on this team, it just seemed like a square peg trying to be fit into a round hole. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I, I should have mentioned in the Pat Bev, um, you know, uh, short-term fit. Like, I think Pat also gives them that insurance against Russ, where uh, if you do, you know, most of the hypothetical uh, or, you know, uh, rumored trades that have been out there don't have a point guard coming back to the Lakers. And I think them getting Pat, um, you know, again, whether they keep Russ or not, that is a win now move that that improves the roster. But I also think 
know, if you do get a Buddy Heald and a Miles Turner, or you do get a, a Boyan Bogdanovich and Malik Beasley or, or Jordan Clarkson, uh, you know, none of those guys are point guards. So now you have that that guy in Pat who can step in, has pretty much always been a starter throughout his career, uh, you know, in Houston and LA and, and Minnesota. So he and those teams have all made the playoffs. So like he's already proven he can be a playoff point guard that that can play, you know, high in high leverage situations. So I think that was an, another wrinkle here. As far as Russ's trade market, um, I've heard Indiana and Utah are the, the two most likely destinations. Uh, I think Utah is, uh, from what I've been told, more likely than Indiana. Uh, and Indiana, there's several permutations there, you know, several possibilities where uh, it could be Miles Turner and Buddy Heal together. It could be one of the two. Um, you know, I think it maybe would have made more sense for, the, you know, if the Lakers did something like THT in a pick for Buddy Heald or, or, or whatever like that, that could have been splitting the difference there in, in improving the roster. But uh, obviously THT is gone and it, you know, it would be some form of, of Russ uh, plus picks. I've heard the Lakers are still reluctant on including that second pick. And uh, you know, maybe that's something that changes closer to training camp. Uh, you, you know, I, I know it, it would have changed. I, I think with, if Kyrie Irving were still available, that would have been the, the one scenario in which uh, the, the two picks would have been on the table. But uh, aside from that, I think they, they really are looking at it like, you know, can we do one pick and a couple seconds? Can we do one pick and a protected pick or a pick swap? Um, I think they're, they're really reluctant to include that second pick. And uh, th that's why I, I think ultimately, you know, I, I know Indy has a, has a high asking price for Miles Turner. You know, that, that's kind of been a thing for the last few years. Um, you know, Buddy Heald, I think, is someone who is an attractive asset with, uh, you know, just being an elite shooter on, on a reasonable contract. So that's why I think Utah is probably more likely. And th there's a couple versions there where they can get involved in the Donovan Mitchell trade and potentially be that third team to help facilitate it and, uh, you know, maybe send a, a couple picks uh, or, you know, a pick to, to Utah and, and then maybe like a couple second round picks or something uh, and, and, you know, get back Bogdanovich and, and maybe something from New York. Uh, or once that trade is complete and Donovan Mitchell is in New York, which, you know, isn't for sure, but seems to be likely, uh, they can, whatever kind of scraps Utah still has, they'll still have a couple role players at least, uh, you know, most likely Bogdanovich uh, plus something else. They can go in there with, with uh, you know, with Russ and, and get that done. So I think they're going to be hard pressed to, to get a, a trade done without giving up those two picks. Um, again, maybe they get creative and uh, it's some, you know, lottery protected or uh, it, you know, if it, it's in a certain range, it converts to you know, two second round picks or something. But I think it, you know, the asking price has been two picks and uh, it, it's very clear that, you know, what the league kind of wants to take on Russ. And I, I think the Lakers are, you know, they, they can kind of play hardball, but I, I feel like at some point you got to really make the decision. Like, do we want to bring him into training camp and all the potential distraction that comes with it, all, all of the, uh, you know, the, the fit issues that we saw last season, or do we kind of enter with a, a blank slate and, and just look at it, you know, bring in Turner and, and healed or bring in Bogdanovich and something else and just go in with, new vibes, new energy. And I think 
guys that probably fit better just because of their their skill set and you know better shooters, better defenders. Like I think the Lakers need that stuff. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see how the next four weeks play out. I, I think they are going to ramp it up closer to training camp and and get more aggressive from from what I've been told. But whether that aggression includes ultimately giving up two picks, I, I feel like they're they're still really going to try to fight to to keep that second pick. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned about Utah. I had uh, written about on Hoops Hype about the the three team trade talks with uh, Utah, the Lakers, and the Knicks, um, and and whatnot. And what's interesting is the Lakers, you know, had always had a little bit of an eye for Cam Reddish since the trade deadline. Um, he hasn't had a chance to really get off the bench in New York much with Tom Thibodeau. Um, and New York gave up a first for him. Uh, so that's been interesting to see. I think, you know, look with, with Danny Ainge, anytime he's involved with the Lakers, uh, let's be clear. Danny Ainge is going to try as Danny Ainge is going to try to squeeze the Lakers like a freshly squeezed glass of, uh, orange juice. Okay. He is going to get with all the pulp, you know, yeah. all the pulp. Um, and so I, I, there's no way he's going to Utah without those two first round picks. And if anything, he's Danny's going to try to get them unprotected. Um, just like he's trying to do with the, uh, with the Knicks here, he, he's trying to get as many unprotected picks as possible. You touched a little bit on Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving for the Lakers. Um, you know, I'm not here to try to burst any bubble for Laker fans, but this season, right. Um, with Kyrie opting into the one-year uh, player option that he exercised and, you know, Durant coming back. I, I've said this, you know, on Durant. You touch on it like he's a domino that had a fall, right? So two things. One, for the Nets, two, even two first-round picks with Westbrook's contract, you know, for Kyrie. You know, maybe they put another contract in there to get off of, of long-term money, but that wasn't necessarily something they were looking to do for two reasons. One, Russell Westbrook and, and Ben Simmons could not share the floor together from a no, no. floor spacing perspective. Um, it, I mean, my, my understanding would have been, it would not, they wouldn't be trading for Russ to play him. Yeah, no. And then ultimately like, but even to move him, they wouldn't have been able to flip him to another team for just one, first round pick. So, um, you know, at that point you're really looking at, it just wasn't going to make sense in, in that regard. I think if you're a Laker fan, you're hoping that chaos ensues in Brooklyn and, and, and in free agency, you know, Kyrie thinks about leaving and the Lakers have cap space next summer. And you know, that Kevin Durant there, you know, teams around the league, first of all, I've said this, in other podcasts, anywhere, teams around the league are going to monitor the first 25 games of the Nets, 20 to 25 games. And if they're around 500, the birds are going to be chirping to try to get Kevin Durant um, because they're going to be like vultures. They're going to, they're going to sense um, unfulfilled expectations. And, and with Durant and Kyrie, if you're not a championship contender, you got to wonder at this point, it's been an underwhelming tenure for those guys in Brooklyn. So certainly, you know, Lakers fans are going to be keeping an eye on that. I'm sure you will, will be as well. Um, personally for me, it's interesting. You were kind of mentioning the Utah move would seem potentially more likely. Um, 
I think for a win now team, you know, I, I think Turner and, and Heald would be ideal. Now I'll say this, Miles Turner is going to be a free agent this summer and he's going to want a pay raise from what he's making now. Um, from what I've heard, easily they're going to be looking to try to get 20 million plus. Um, and so that's something you got to factor in. Buddy Heald, good shooter, uh, has the rapport with Rob Palenka, who was his former agent. Lakers need shooting, as you touched on. I think it would help them. I, it just seemed like a lot of those pieces fit for both sides, to be honest, especially with Indiana, who, like, good for good for you, Indiana. Like, you're finally, whether you, you I know you said, like, oh, you know, we're kind of, like, retooling. No, 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 no. You, you tear it down, rebuild for once. Full-scale rebuild. Do it. Um, th- that's more the sense I got there. But with all this being said, this all, no matter what happens with the Lakers, it all starts and ends with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. LeBron James agrees to a contract extension. And for me, two things stuck out in particular when you look at his extension. It aligns him contractually with Anthony Davis, where both players are signed through next season and they have the player options for the 2024-25 season. So they could hit free agency theoretically in the summer of 2024. Um, It was also likely signed with the expectation that the Lakers would go out and improve the team. Pat Beverly's a start. I think that's the first domino uh, not the last one. So with that in mind, what was your sense behind the scenes on, on LeBron's extension uh, with the Lakers? And I'm going to throw one more at you. Could LeBron's boy, Carmelo Anthony, return to the Lakers next season? Yeah, well, well one quick thing I wanted to add uh, based on on the, the Russ packages uh, I definitely am in agreement with you in that Indiana is the better option. I, I, you know, that, um, you know, I'm not a GM, but if I were picking between the two, I, I would, I think the two picks is probably worth it for Indiana c- considering the Lakers timeline, them likely having a, a one to two year window with LeBron and AD. Uh, you know, LeBron has held off father time for now, but he is going to be 38 and, we're really in unprecedented territory, you know, year 20. Like I just think that that is the win now move, you know, going all in for, for next season. So I'm with you in that Indiana is the better move. I just think based on what Indiana is looking for, I think Utah's price might be a little bit lower, but as far as the extension, I think the Pat Bev move was clearly, um, you know, something that had been in the works for a, a little bit, but also it was something that, you know, once, LeBron signed off on that extension, you know, kind of came together rather quickly. And and I think was a sign that this team was, because, you know, LeBron is, I mean, re- remember like THC is a clutch guy. Uh, LeBron has been high on him. You know, he, he's uh, fans were bringing up old tweets of, of LeBron, you know, co-signing THT and, and praising him and stuff. So like, uh, I, I don't think it was necessarily an easy move for the Lakers. And I, I know there are still people in the organization that are are high on THT and uh, think he's going to have a really good year in Utah. So I don't think it was like, you know, while it, it was a move that did uh, again, help them in the short and long term. Like I think there still are THT believers who are like, we're, we're giving up on this guy at 21. Like, you know, we, we might regret that at some point, but um, I think the Pat Bev move, what was a sign of just the Lakers ambition right now of, of improving the roster and, and making this, a, a more competitive team. And I think obviously the, the next domino is 
figuring out the rust situation. And, and that's really, um, you know, aside from whatever you think of Russ and, and his fit and whatnot, like that really is kind of the one way they can dramatically improve this team. Like they, they don't have another, uh, you know, aside from like, you, you can't trade Lonnie Walker in, until December. Kendrick Nunn at this point hasn't played in a year. And I don't think is really going to net you much in the trade market until you see what he looks like on the floor. So really aside from Russ, like th- there isn't much that they can do to improve the roster. So if you can trade Russ for uh, again, a buddy and, and a miles or some type of package from Utah, New York, like that's your one Avenue to either improving the fit, improving the depth, like whatever. So I think that is the Lakers goal over the next four weeks or so is how do we improve this roster? And, and realistically, the most likely path is by moving Russell Westbrook. Uh, and then w- with Mello, um, look, I, I haven't heard much on the Mello front. So I, you know, it, it could be possible. Um, I think looking at the roster, they do need some more front court depth now that Stanley Johnson is gone. And, you know, it was a two for one trade. They have a couple of our roster openings. Um, and, and they need shooting. Like they, they definitely need shooting. And, and that is something that Mello is still uh, an elite player in. But I do think, you know, defense remains a concern for this team. I still think they're they're light on perimeter and wing defense. And, and that obviously isn't Mello's strong suit. So I think had there been more initial interest earlier in the summer, that they probably would have re-signed him. And, and that would have been a situation where he would have been back as kind of that second unit power forward, but signing JTA, trading Stanley Johnson, like I think it's it's kind of clear they're, they're going in a different direction. So I wouldn't completely rule it out, but I think it probably would have already happened had there still been mutual interest. So uh, I I think Melo probably ends up somewhere else. Um, I know you're, you're going to probably bring up New York, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, like, everybody, you know what's crazy? Everybody, you know, like... Everybody talks about New York as a potential destination for Melo, you know, on like NBA Twitter, right? Yeah. Oh, like he would retire, you know, with the Knicks. But it's like, you know, I'm just saying Miami could use some front court help and they have a glaring need at the four now with, with PJ Tucker gone. Um, he's not the same player. You know, Melo's not bringing you defense. He's, he's bringing spot up shooting and, and scoring off the bench at this point. Um, you know, I don't know with, with, with a guy like Carmelo, I, I don't know, man. I always wondered if like maybe one day he'd sign like a one day contract or something, but it's like the same thing. You know, the way you say like with the Lakers, well, if it, it was going to happen, it would happen. Well, I kind of feel like it's not like Leon Rose lost his number. He repped the guy for a long time. I think if he yeah. wanted him, you know, it would have happened. But at this point, I don't know. I just think, uh, for Carmelo, like a lot of these free agents, first off, they were in a wait and see approach with what was going to happen with Kevin Durant. You know, then that domino happened. Not to say that the floodgates have been opened. You know, I, I know like uh, Isaiah Thomas and, and some guys were like, all right, here we go. You know, the show goes on like Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Wolf of Wall Street, but that hasn't been the case. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But, um, you know, with guys that are on this team, you know, as we look to kind of wrap it up, I think Austin Reeves's role and his long-term future there is going to be interesting. You know, who would have thought we'd be saying that last year uh, at the start of the year? But, 
here we are. You know, I kind of wondered what would be his future with the Lakers after last year. And, you know, like, could this guy become like the next Joe Harris and be a reliable shooter and get paid? I don't know. I asked one NBA coach about Austin Reeves and he told me Austin's really good and better than I thought. He's versatile. He's a good on-ball defender. He makes the right play offensively. He finds ways to impact the game and do the little things to help. When you look at Austin Reeves going into the season, Jovan, do you think he is going to be a starter? Because that's low-key kind of like a little bit of a vibe. And what uh, what about his uh, long-term future? Because from everything I've gathered, you know, he'd obviously like to stay in L.A. and, and obviously get a pay raise. And then the Lakers would like to keep him. Yeah. Um, so from what I, I have been told, he was penciled in as the starting shooting guard next to Russ. Uh, I have not. I'm working on um, a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago, I guess, at this point. I, I did a story on on the Lakers uh, projected depth chart and starting in bench lineups and and rotation and, and like positional battles and stuff. And, you know, talk to a few people uh, around the organization and, and just around the league for that. And I'm going to update that. So I'm going to gather some more intel on where Pat kind of slides in because Pat's always been a starter. So I, I guess on paper now, like you're probably starting Pat and Russ. I think it's, it's a bit of a small backcourt, but I think if Russ is on the opening night roster, he's most likely starting. Uh, you know, I don't really see him going for coming off the bench. I think maybe, maybe that's a possibility down the road, but at least to start, I think Russ is going to start. And then probably between Pat and Austin for that second spot. And Pat is someone who, you know, I think is going to be a leader on this team and, and obviously has the track record of, of being a starter in, in multiple places. So, I would guess he has the edge, but that, that could always change in training camp. But either way, Austin's going to have a, a big role on this team. I, I think as that coach was saying, like he's just such a smart player. And, and uh, you know, one player he's consistently referenced that he has modeled his game after is Joe Ingles. And I, I, I see a lot of that where, um, you know, at first glance, you look at Joe Ingles and he's, he's kind of long and wiry and, and just, you know, kind of unassuming. And then, you know, you, you see him play and it's like, you know, he, he's tough and, and he's locking people up and he, he's got these long arms and he's getting into passing lanes. And then offensively, he's a really good shooter and, and a really good connector and facilitator. And like, those are all the things Austin Reeves flashed in, in his rookie season. Uh, I mean, this guy was undrafted and, you know, is putting up, uh, you know, 30 points, you know, 30 point triple doubles that uh, haven't been done since like Blake Griffin uh, in, in his rookie season. So like that type of stuff was, you know, obviously, um, I think he's, he's, he's bulked up this summer. He, he's got a ways to, to go, you know, he's got to improve as a shooter and, um, you know, continue to handle physicality better. I know his legs got tired in the second half of the last season and that affected his jump shot. But I think he, he's someone who really like is just a jack of all trades and, and, can do everything at least, at, you know, a little bit of everything at a competent level. And that's something that can be hard to find. And I think also is a guy who doesn't really have an ego is always looking for the betterment of his teammates and the team. And, um, you know, just really kind of a selfless guy who is willing to assimilate into whatever his team needs. So 
I think that can be rare to find, especially in a young player. And um, I think he really is going to be a key for this team in, in, you know, definitely next season. But, uh, you know, once he's a free agent, if, if they re-sign him moving forward, I think he's someone who can be a starter or a high-end bench player. So uh, I think they really uncovered something with him. And it's another guy that, uh, you know, similar to like an Alex Caruso, they, they should look to retain moving forward. Yovan, last thing before I let you go. Kendrick Nunn, is he out of like witness protection? What, what's going on there? <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, he's been around the facility. He's, he's been shooting and, and working out. Um, you know, it's been a slower than anticipated ramp up. But uh, honestly, I mean, th- there's a chance, you know, n- now they got Pat, so he, he's the best addition of, of the offseason. But like, there's a chance Ke- Kendrick Nunn is technically the, the best free agent addition that they made, right? Like getting him back uh, was the guy that they spent the, the taxpayer mid-level on last season. And like, I was really alert. solid his first couple of years in... Uh, in Miami and is a guy who's is a bit of a combo guard, but um, you know, one of the better shooters on the roster uh, can, can be an instant offense guy can also provide you that, that playmaking and, and ball handling. So um, I think Kendrick Nunn is, is someone who could develop into the sixth man for, for this team uh, depending on how things shake out. And uh, again, if the Lakers do move Russ uh, you know, having Pat and Kendrick as your, your two point guards and then also having guys like, Austin, of course, LeBron is always going to be the point guard on, on any team he's on. Like, I think the Lakers are pretty much set in, in the backcourt with, with their ball handling and whatnot, uh, whether they keep Russ or not. So I think that this year's rosters is definitely better than last year's. It's just going to come down to can they, you know, what what do they do with Russ? You know, can they improve the shooting and defense? And then the health of LeBron and AD. You know, if those guys miss 60 plus games like they have each of the last two years, this team is is not going to be very good. But if they can remain relatively healthy, uh, I don't think anybody wants to face LeBron and AD in a seven-game series. On that note, Jovan, I appreciate all your insight today on the Lakers, and I invite listeners to keep up with Jovan's work at The Athletic, covering the Lakers. He does an outstanding job, and there's plenty more to keep an eye on with this team, including Russell Westbrook's future. Thanks to everyone else for tuning in as well. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoops High podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yovan too at Yovan Buha. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best. <laughs>